Hey friends, I'm excited. Today we are going to be talking about something that's near and dear to us, and those that is the biblical or Hebrew holidays, the Jewish holidays. We have been keeping for many years, and today we thought, you know, let's go over them. We've talked about them a little bit on the podcast, but today we're going to really do an overview and kind of help you see how the agricultural side of it maybe is what enticed us to even start doing the agricultural things we do anyway. So anyway, have a listen. Let us know your thoughts, and if this isn't the first time you've learned about them, we'd love to hear how you celebrate these holidays hey friends welcome to the schoolhouse life where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling self-sufficient family homestead we go back to basics in all things family faith and farming and we're eager to teach you what we've learned everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle we're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too all right, so I think like really our homesteading journey started with celebrating the high holidays and the Hebrew feast and festivals. Yeah, I remember we were interviewed at the beginning of the Shemitah year and somebody was asking us, you know, sort of how do we get into it? And I was like, you know, honestly, it's more of a reverse. We were, you know, read scripture a lot and saw all of these agricultural references, nature references and thought, okay, it just kind of pulled us in that direction. Not felt like a natural transition. <laughs> right. I mean, when you read like, you know, when you harvest the wheat and you give a tenth of it to the high priest, or, mm. you know, like to me, it was like, how much more meaningful could the scripture be, scriptures be if I was actually growing wheat or yeah. if we had sheep? Like, I still feel like when you read the, like, the sheep and the bulls that are sacrificed, like, you know, there's like 30 or 40 a day yeah. for some of the holidays. Like, I still can't fathom how many sheep they had back then. but. It's an interesting idea to... Well, not only that, that. but even just the, the metaphors of scripture where, you know, people right. are like sheep. You, you just understand it better. It sets a little bit more deeply, maybe, when yeah. you have had that experience. So anyway, I think that definitely was one of the major pulls for us wanting to wanting to have property and just be doing some of those things more. And of course, we just got off of doing the Shemitah year, which was, you know, an event. Yeah. <laughs> I think when we... So, you know, if you've been following along with that journey... <laughs> It started at Rosh Hashanah last year, which is the holiday that we just celebrated this week. So that means we've made it the full year. The full rest year is over. And now it's time to get busy in the garden again and start, you know, working the soil the way that we were doing before. And I think we had all these expectations about what we should listen to ourselves again. Yeah, we definitely should. (laughs) If you followed that journey, just of what we thought was going to happen, what we did experience, and then coming out on the other side, I'm just really thankful it's over, to be honest. Yeah. It was a... It was a good experience, but I can't say that I want to do it again anytime soon. Well, you got maybe, seven. Maybe in you got six seven years. years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I was thinking you talking about yesterday, Lacey was saying how she enjoyed so much being in the garden for like just a few hours, right? Mm. Not that long. But yeah. And then again today. Yeah. yeah. So it's. Well, I would avoid the garden almost altogether because what would happen is I'd get out there and I'd see one thing and then another and then I'd get sucked in a sucked in and I start doing things that didn't maybe fall in my actual like Schmidt range rule book or whatever. (laughs) And I was like, okay, it's probably better for me just to not even go out there. But then when I did go out there, I'd be so sad because it's like overcome with weeds and growth and things that I don't want to be where they are. So there's a lot of cleanup to do. But now that I can go out there and just get lost in it, that feels good. I know. And I mean, you did like one bed and the bed already looks better. So, Mm. okay. So 
We did just celebrate Rosh Hashanah. When this podcast comes out, we'll be having just finished Yom Kippur. Maybe a little later. A little bit later. So it really kind of all falls on top of itself. You've got the spring holidays um, that are commanded holidays, and you've got the the fall holidays that are, that are commanded holidays. And then there's and what do a you lot mean of, by commanded holidays? So yeah. that the scripture actually says you should do this at this time on this date, and that's determined and said, and and it's a commandment. It's considered right. one of the so you can find six hundred and fourteen. You can find it in the Bible. Yeah, and Leviticus it, and in the Torah. Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's yeah. in there several times actually. And and even through the New Testament if you're looking at what they're doing, then they're doing those things. So right. it's, it's definitely a, a key element of of our faith is to keep these ry- rhythms and seasons and honor them the way that they say to that it's said in scripture. So that's where it starts. And you have to know too that the uh Hebrew calendar is very different than the calendar, which is the Gregorian calendar that we follow um, as Americans. And I think most, most of the world. everyone does. Yeah. yeah. So the Hebrew calendar is, first of all, based on the moon. So that means that the, the months are determined by the sighting of the new moon. Now, that's a little tricky because the new moon isn't always predictable, which I kind of love. And if you're in a beautiful community situation where every month you hear the trumpet blast and you know, oh, it's the start of a new month. That's a really kind of you have to be paying attention in a way that we don't anymore. We kind of take we take the calendar and the passage of time for granted. And I don't think we give enough of it the control back to the creator himself. We sort of are trying to, like, put it into a box and find this, like, blah, 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 the way we want it to be. That more fits black, our, our, like black our goals. and white. Right. More <laughs> black and white. Anyway, so we follow that new moon and Rosh Hashanah specifically follows that new moon. So you actually celebrate for two days because the new moon may not be visible the first night. Right. So they kind of leave two day, two days for a window to spot that new moon and and blow the trumpets and well and you ha- I heard you say something to someone the other day of like it also like it's more of a Jewish or Middle Eastern I would say even mentality of like kind of like leaving room mm-hmm. for there to be like to make an error but I want to like that's not really what I want to say like it's almost like a conversation yeah like a like a space yeah. where like we're like you know I'm thinking of like a Gregorian of holiday like Christmas like it's December 25th no matter what yeah but Rosh Hashanah could be like this day or it could be that day and we'll just celebrate both days just to make sure and you know there's no harm in celebrating a second day you know like yeah it's just like it's a definitely like a, a mental shift in I think like, of it more like breathing. You yeah. know, we breathe very consistently. We don't stop breathing or we die, right? right? But every breath is not identical to the last. Right. And the breath is you take it without thinking about it, but you do it in a way that serves your body at that given moment, right? Yeah. And then when you start thinking about it, you know, you can kind of control it a little bit, but ultimately, you know, it's not up to you to make sure you're breathing all the time. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just it's a different way of thinking. maybe a more natural organic way of living life right we, we really like our structures though so it's hard for our i don't know our western mentality to i don't know embrace that kind yeah. of thing well it's but, funny because thinking about that like so another holiday is shabbat that we celebrate every week mm. and abraham was asking me the other day he's like well how do you know when it starts it, it really blows his mind because <laughs> shabbat starts on friday night and all of these sundown. i was going to add all the holidays do start at right sundown. at sundown yeah. But like the rabbis have added in, like when you see the first three stars in mm-hmm. which like that, that can be very variable, variable. <laughs> yeah, there can be a large like you might not at your house, but somebody yeah. else at their house might. And, you know, so Shabbats can start at different times within Jewish culture. They've like set times. But, right. you know, like in 
I, it's just been well it's fun. again it just goes to the yeah. community would decide that together right so it wouldn't i mean yes it, while the jewish community would all do it somewhat the same you know if you're in israel it's going to be different than if you're in, in the united states right. what exact time that is right so it just makes it it really kind of defederalizes maybe <laughs> de-localizes it localizes, it localizes yeah, yeah how you celebrate everything and i yeah. think that there's real beauty in that and it also was reminding me a lot of agriculture in general because right. one of the other things is you know you can do what you want to the land especially if you're growing in a really kind of holistic and literally slow so slow human scale is probably the way i would qualify what we do but you know when you start looking at machines it gets a little bit different but right. when you take out the machines and the mechanisms and it becomes just a human with nature thing it's not as predictable as if I plant seven rows of corn, I will have, you know, 15 pounds of corn in the end of the year. You know, like, it's just not that predictable. You do have to follow basically, uh, you know, your experience and your instinct and also the weather patterns and what's happening. You know, like, there's just so many different things that you take into account when you take it out of the mechanical realm and into the, the human and co-creation realm so yeah. anyway that makes me think too so one of the spring holidays that really starts the biblical year is passover and passover like technically doesn't start until they see that the barley is a vive or ripe ready to ready to harvest and then once that is ready then the, they um, schedule the, the, the then the, the calendar like starts yeah. and goes so it just puts everything like it's almost like a reset every year of like when we're talking about like this this year is hotter than most years and it's weird that the something hasn't come ripe when we thought it would but mm -hmm. like if if it always started like seasonally then it seems like it would it would be um more on track to work better but then that would only be in the land of Israel so I don't know. We get we go down a rabbit hole there. <laughs> well, it's what there's actually a name for that, and I forget what it is. I joined a club and I didn't pay attention to it, but like of tracking things that happen in nature and then planting when that happens. And yeah. I, there's like when the tulip blooms, plant your peas or something. Right. Like there's some in the red bud blooms. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and yeah. it's really neat to watch those and be more aware of them because they're a more sure way of planting than the last frost date could be April twenty first. You know, because it's just that yeah. that can. Flex, Except, right? I guess you just can't go with apple blossoms because how often do our apple blossoms get frosted? So, yeah. <laughs> well, we're in the yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, so okay, all, all of right. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think that we was really just want to give you kind of an overview of what this time of year looks like. So, we're not going to get a ton into the spring holidays; they're sort of in their own category, and there is a smattering of non non-commanded holidays in between a lot of them have to do with things that have happened in history whether it was a destruction of the temple or even just for the holocaust remembrance day i mean there's a lot of different right. a lot of different holidays through the year that are in between the spring and the fall that don't they're not really biblically charged for us to do but they are other great things to commemorate but so i would say what we're in now is what it's called the days of awe which, which is the high holy days. Which is the high holy days. Well, so it's the high holy days. Days of awe is Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, right, right in the middle. Yeah. So 10 days we have yeah. here. Yeah. So when we're recording this podcast, we're in we're the, in the of midst awe. of it. Which I, I want to back up even further and say that prior to Rosh Hashanah, I just learned this year. I don't know how I never knew that before, but I find it a fun fact that six days before Rosh Hashanah is the day of creation. They've like tracked all the numbers, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like it's like tradition. Like it, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I, right. I'm, 
I'm okay with either way. I think it's still fun to think about, like, if all the numbers added up, six days before Rosh Hashanah would be the day the world was created. And then you have Rosh Hashanah. And in between, it would be, you know, the heavens and the earth, and then, you know, the fish of the sea and all of the different days of creation until you get to Rosh Hashanah, which would be... Right. The day that man was created. Yeah. Right. Humans. And, and then that's where the shofar is blown. So the shofar is like a ram's horn. And um, I would, this was our first year, I want to say, that we were in synagogue when they blew the shofar. Have we've we done been it before? before? Not this synagogue, but we've we've been in synagogues been before. The other been, ones. Yeah. And it's yeah. a very moving experience. It is. Like, uh, we were... You know, when you go to the services, you hold like a prayer book and there's prayers in there that you read and sing and that kind of thing. You could feel the shofar blast like in your belly reverberating through the book in your hands. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was it was a really powerful moment. And um, the prayers kind of lead up to it and like build this really cool, like, I don't know, just kind of emotional and physical and communal relationship with God. And all of it kind of culminates with this shofar blast, Mm -hmm. which is. Yeah, really really powerful. Mm-hmm. And it just, it harkens back to like, you know, through scriptures, there's lots of talk of these horns blowing and what their purpose was. It was a battle cry. Right. It was announcing the new moon and calling the community together. It was, I mean, they do in Israel. It's lovely. You hear shofars being blown at the beginning of every Shabbat. Right. And I mean, the list kind of goes on and on of the uses for this very simple tool. And somebody who has mastered how to blow it can really make it do yeah, some things. It's right? amazing. But yeah, we just, I think the experience of having and being in the room when that was happening is really, was really beautiful. And I definitely would encourage you to just pull up a YouTube video or recording of the shofar and listen to what that sounds like. Cause you can imagine why the walls of Jericho fell after being exposed to that right. trumpet blowing yeah. over and over and over for what was it, 13 days or something. So, yeah. so anyway, we love the shofar and we aren't any of us very good at blowing. It, but the kids Eliza, try. We do, good. yeah. Eliza's pretty yeah. good. Okay, so then after Rosh Hashanah, you have the days of awe that go on to Yom Kippur. Yeah, and Yom Kippur is like the least favorite holiday, maybe, but also right. the most. We were listening to a podcast, and a kid said that that was their favorite holiday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they probably so Yom Kippur is a day of fasting. So you start at night in the, in the evening, and you fast all the way to the next evening. It's the day of atonement. It's the day when you're really pensive and considering your sin. So at Rosh Hashanah, you know, you have this time of re- sort of returning. It's known as the head of the year, and this time of of really considering the last year, thinking it all over, and really thinking, you know, how did I fall short? What was okay? You know, what can I do better? Acknowledging those things. And there's even a tradition called Tashlik where you go to a river and you toss in some breadcrumbs and let those represent those things that you want to let go of and you don't want to take with you into the new year. And then you have the 10 days in between Rosh Hashanah and to Yom Kippur. And then that's the day you're like literally written into the book of life. And you hope that you are, but you also are really just spending the day in awe and trying to get yourself down to very, very low place. And I don't mean low, like negative necessarily. Really, it's more of, I think of like Rosh Hashanah and your head, you know, you hear it, you're like alert because you've heard this trumpet blast. And so all of a sudden you're like, ah, it wakes your, it literally can wake your soul up is sort of the idea. And then all of a sudden you have this time of, just spending between the Rosh Hashanah and the Yom Kippur and you get to Yom Kippur and um, it's more of like you, your head bows at Rosh Hashanah and then you kind of just keep continue that bow and get all the way down and prostrate yourself on the floor yeah. at Yom Kippur is almost how I right. see that. 
And I want to emphasize that it's not like in an effort to gain salvation or something. It's more of an effort to show God uh, honor and respect Mm -hmm. and and to get your soul right. Like almost like a reset button of Mm -hmm. like, you know, we've been going through this year and here's a chance to like start over. Think about this again. Like I kind of think of like it's I don't feel like it's fair to say, but like a New Year's resolution type of like. You know, like, I'm going to change some things. I realized some things were not right. Some things weren't good. And let me make those things better. And let me do a little bit of effort here to try and be better. It's also traditional to, like, forgive forgive people then and ask for forgiveness then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's kind of more the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would, yeah, I don't think it's for salvation at all. But I do think it is. It's about your salvation on some level, right? Sure. Like it, yeah. it's recognizing how in in undeserving maybe we are of that salvation, of that forgiveness, of that being able to turn back, but but not really. It's not a time of salvation, that's for sure. I do think that it also aligns with the agricultural systems and, and like patterns and rhythms as well. You know, Rosh Hashanah is sort of the culmination of growing year. Yeah, it's like the fall harvest. Right. Yeah. And so then from Yom Kippur, seven days later, you've got Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, which means, you know, it's a time of dwelling together and enjoying the fruits and coming together as a community and just being, you know, joyous and joyful and celebratory for a whole week. I want to go ahead and call it like the original homesteader celebration. (laughs) <laughs> because like yeah. the, the very first one comes from if you don't know when the israelites left egypt they got together and got across the red sea all that you know we know all that then the first place they land is a town or i don't know it's not town but an area they called sukkot mm. which means to dwell mm-hmm. and they build these structures called sukkahs which is basically a three-sided little shelter like mm-hmm. a I don't know if you want to call it like a manger kind of thing. It's but not it, much of a shelter either because the roof right. is just like plants. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> a, te- it's a very, like the idea behind it, like when we celebrate it now is it's a temporary dwelling. Very temporary. So you want it to last seven days, but no more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and generally like in years past, we've had some sukkah that don't actually make, make it, it seven it days. depends on the weather really. Yeah. So, but it's a fun time. So the tradition is you eat your meals out in the sukkah. People... Go, invite the stranger. Yeah, people invite strangers, uh, neighbors, that kind of thing. It's like a big giant celebration. So we made it like Lacey said agricultural to festival. everything else. Yeah, yeah. And you decorate it with like pomegranates and grapes and you know seasonally appropriate stuff, mm-hmm. and just celebrate this time of hey, we made it made it through the fall harvest and now we're headed into winter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, the rainy season. Yeah. If you're in Israel. Right. So during this time, you're really praying that the rain comes down really hard because it's the only rain they get for the entire year is through the winter, basically. Right. So in order to be able to grow anything, they have to they have to store up all this water right now. Yeah. And it does traditionally rain during Sukkot. And yeah. in fact, sometimes it rains the entirety of Sukkot. We've we've done week long camping trips for Sukkot. We've done a lot of different ways of celebrating and usually we get wet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a tradition that says, like, all the rain for the year will fall on Sukkot also. So, like, mm. yeah, it can be a lot of rain. It can be a lot of rain. But anyway, so, yeah, Sukkot is a really joyous holiday, and then which it does commemorate that time, too, when the Israelites were in the desert and in their first real experience directly with God after they left Egypt, which is a big deal, right? You know, I mean, they've just experienced this thing, and these these miracles and then they live 
probably as close to God and within as close a connection um, to God, having seen almost his face, not physically maybe, but through Moses and through those miracles. miracles. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and then they're living in the desert and then they get another miracle where the manna falls on them. Right. And so, I mean, it's just like this really a, a celebration of the harvest and recognizing how abundant that can be. So, and then from there we move into Simcha Torah, which is the last of the, the last day after Sukkot. And it's a day of celebrating the Torah, which is, you know, the first five books of the Bible that were given to Moses on Mount Sinai at this time. Right. So it's this really, I don't know, beautiful kind of culmination of, and the, this Torah cycle is the cycle of reading parts of those first five books and also added in the the, prophets, the other the prophets and the writings and the psalms and all of those yeah. are in there as well and they're timed out so that you can read that all in a year so that starts again at Simcha which is like another fun thing we talk about circles and natures and spirals and that's very much like the cycle of reading the torah portions each shabbat each saturday we read just like like you said that section and so it, it just turns around and it's kind of cool in a synagogue, like they actually roll the scrolls back to the beginning and you start reading from the beginning of the scroll again. Mm. And it's a big celebration of just, you know, getting to start all over again. And I think it's interesting to think about at Sukkot, we're, we're celebrating like the sustenance the land offers. Right. Um, and then the very last thing we do is celebrate the sustenance of like the Torah and how much it is even more, more of a sustainer than than even like food right Right. you know i think it's a really neat i've never really noticed that how we we end with that and that day is actually a day you would like take off from work and really honor so so yeah i don't know that's kind of all the fall and then we then we a few months later yeah then we've got hanukkah hanukkah is not a biblically commanded Mm -hmm. holiday but yeah that i think that's like i don't know i think that's a good spot what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's some layers, yeah. more layers to both all of that. But then, I mean, Drew mentioned Shabbat, and then yeah. there's, you know, the Shemitah, and, and there's lots of layers to this. So it's like, we talked a lot about growth not being linear, and this is a really good example of, of how I think growth looks. Like, you, you kind of start with the surface of, this is the holiday, this is the time, this is how you do it, right? Like, very basic. And every year, I think we add another layer of, oh, I didn't know. I think you said that at the beginning about some things, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's there's never, we're never done learning, and we're never at completion. It just goes around in a circle again and again and again. And new depth is found every single time, or new growth, however you want to look at it. Yeah. But And I would say, like, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, hey, I- I would like to try some of this in our family, some of this mm. tradition. I think like a great place to start, like Lacey's saying, is just dip your toes in. Do mm. what you can. Mm-hmm. There's really no right or wrong to it for the most part. I mean, make it a family tradition and just grow into it as you go. I would say Yom Kippur, like some of our kids fast. The younger ones, they're not really required or like suggested to fast yet. So they'll like say they're not going to... I don't know, partake in books for the day or, you know, not going to, there's, you know, different things. So you can kind of pick how you want to fast. The adults, generally, it's no water and no food from sundown to sundown. Sometimes we have to make an exception for Lacey because <laughs> she might need to drink. <laughs> I have some blood sugar issues. And by the end of a 24 hour period with nothing, I'm usually like a crashing. Crash. Crash. Yeah. yeah. And then Sukkot, I would say, think about making some kind of sukkah this year. It can be like a pop-up tent. 
It could be like we use an old greenhouse frame and then just put some branches on it. Some and, years. Yeah, we yeah. kind of mix it up. But yeah, yeah, we mix it up. So, you know, try something. Try eating like one meal out in the suka. The tradition is like you need to be able to see out the roof to see the stars. And, you know, other than that, you can kind of make it however you want, as long as it's like a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've hung we've hung uh, strings up and just draped fabric over that. Before. Yeah. When we lived in that townhome, yeah. we just had like a 10 by 10 back porch and. It was just concrete, and we just made like a drapes, a blanket across it, and then cut a square in the ceiling so we could see out. Yeah, and that was our suit. <laughs> so you can do whatever you want, you know. But and I, I mean, yeah. I don't know if you have kids, and then they like building forts. So right. it's yeah, just a fort outside. And then we hang like Christmas lights from it of different kinds, and mm-hmm. you know, you can decorate it however you want. And it's a fun way to just like celebrate the fall harvest you know if nothing else if you want to do that you know Mm -hmm. do it for that reason but um, yeah make a pile of pumpkins and squashes and apples and all the things that you can get right now and and if and if you're building a suka tag us on social media take a picture of it we want to see it oh i'd love to see your suka go put it in our group yeah. We'd love to see what you're making. And if Maybe you, got you already celebrate and you're an all-time expert. Right. And I would love to see how and hear what some of your traditions are because we actually are pretty new to this. We didn't grow up keeping these holidays. So yeah. for us, we've just been developing for our family since, you know, 20 years ago now. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not that new. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> but, but yeah, new things are always fun to learn. So right. anyway. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope that this helps your family uh, have some new ideas for the fall feast and festivals. And if you've got questions, shoot us an email, info at theschoolhouselife.com, and uh, we'd love to help you uh, with any of those kind of questions around the holidays or any other questions you got. Thanks.